0: This morning I want to focus on the wise men. So let's go to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things... He was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so glad that you sent your Son, your only begotten Son, so that we could have salvation. Lord, thank you for this this story, but it's not a story as in fiction. It's It's a narrative of an amazing event that has been somewhat trivialized by Christmas cards and Christmas pageants. Father, help us to see it in the glory and grandeur, the setting that You have given it in the Scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Our New Testament, the New Testament in our Bible, begins with with Matthew. Now, we understand that theologically the New Testament begins with the death of Jesus Christ, as we'll see tonight in the Lord's Supper. The Bible said this, Jesus Christ Himself said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. The Bible says in Hebrews that a testament is not in force while the testator lives. The testament comes into effect on the death of the testator. So the New Testament theologically begins with the death of Jesus Christ. Because until then, we were under the law, we were under the old covenant. When Jesus Christ died and that veil was written to in the temple, now we have access to the throne of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But in the way that our Bible is configured, we have our New Testament beginning with Matthew. And it's so interesting that in the second chapter of the book of Matthew, we have presented these wise men. And when you think, we have a principle of of interpretation, and we call it the principle of measured words. And that is that God chose to use a limited number of words in the Bible. Is that right? The Bible says, if everything that Jesus had done were recorded, then I suppose the books of the world could not contain them. So God chose to use a limited number of words and a limited number of events to reveal himself to us. And one of these are these, the story of these wise men from the East coming to worship the Savior. It, it's important, isn't it? And it's interesting, again, how little most people know about these wise men. Most people think there were three. We three kings of Ori and The Bible never says there's three. There were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But how many of you think that this King Herod was worried about three guys on camels? No, no. These wise men from the east, they were probably from Persia. And they would have come on Arabian stallions with armies. And they were kingmakers. And that's why Herod was troubled. And you know that when Herod is troubled, everyone is troubled. But what I want to look at this morning is the supernatural revelation of these wise men and what they knew. What did the wise men know? Well, first of all, the wise men knew some things that modern scholars don't. It's very interesting. When you look at these wise men... Modern scholarship, you know, this time of year, I refuse to watch the History Channel or the Discovery Channel because I'm going to get mad. Because modern scholarship is going to try to question everything about the Savior when we know that it's true. These scholars knew, these wise men knew more than modern scholars. How did they know, though? How did they know? Go to Daniel chapter 2 and we'll discover this. Keep your place in Matthew, of course. We're going to come back. But look at Daniel chapter 2. I just love it when the Bible explains this stuff to us. We don't have to guess. Now, remember what has happened. The children of Israel have been led away into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar has taken the finest of Israel's young men and brought them to his kingdom to study the ways of the Babylonians in his empire. So they brought Daniel, they brought Three young men that they call, they change their names to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of those are names that would honor the Babylonian gods. Uh, I believe that Daniel's name in the kingdom was Belshazzar, which was, again, worshiping the god Baal. And Daniel, of course, worshiped the one true god. And so what happens is the king has a dream, and he's very troubled by the dream, but he can't remember it. So he calls all of his wise men together and asked them, help me remember my dream, and they couldn't do it. And so he was going to kill all the wise men, and Daniel was one of them. So God supernaturally gives Daniel the interpretation. And So look at Daniel chapter 2 and verse 46. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel. Now, how many of you think that as as a, a worshiper of God, that Daniel would receive worship? Look what the Bible says. He worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, "Of a truth, it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret." Now look what the Bible says. Then the king made Daniel a great man, a great man, and gave him many great gifts. And made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors, look at what it says, over all the wise men of Babylon. Do you know what Daniel was? He was the head of the Magi. Now, knowing who Daniel was and his character and how he bowed to the Lord and prayed to him every day when it was time for him to pray, Daniel was a man of God, was he not? Well, of course, Daniel would have, as head of the wise men, he would have taught them about Jesus, the Messiah. How did the wise men from the East know who to come looking for? God had revealed it to them through Daniel. Uh, There's another thing that you'll notice. We said that these wise men knew more than modern scholars. Do you know why? Because when these wise men would look at the Scriptures... They looked at the, look at the Scriptures as the Word of God. Herod looked at the Bible as the Word of God. It's interesting. We have come so far away from that that people look at it as not even reliable history. And we know that it is. So these wise men, they knew more than the scholars and Daniel had taught them some things. They knew... Uh, th- this is really interesting to me. Look, let's go back to... Keep your place in Daniel and go back to Matthew with me. Some of the things that these wise men knew. What did the wise men know? They knew more than, the, than modern Bible scholars. Look at verse chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? You know the next thing? They knew more than the modern scholars Second thing, they knew the right question to ask. You know what's interesting? We talk again when we're talking about interpreting the Bible and understanding the Bible, and I want you to know this. You can understand the Bible for yourself. You can understand the Bible. I'm not a priest any more than any other believer is a priest. Every saved person is a priest of God, the Bible says. I'm a pastor. I teach the Word of God. But the Bible says if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, and you can understand the Bible. God has put it together in a way that you can understand it because you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, if you'll just believe it and study it. But one of our other rules of interpretation is this, one of our other principles. It's called the law of first mention. The first time something is mentioned in the Bible, it's always very important. Do you know what the first question in the New Testament is? Where is He that is born King of the Jews? That's the question that everyone needs to ask. Who is the Christ? Who is the Messiah? Who is the Savior? And where can I find Him? That is the most important question that any New Testament person can ever ask. You know what else is interesting? Do you know what the book of Matthew does? It presents Jesus Christ as the King of the Jews. So right here at the beginning, the question is asked, where is he that is born King of the Jews? And that King of the Jews is then presented to the children of Israel all through that book of Matthew. But the most important thing, the most interesting thing to me about that question, do you know who the first people are in the book of Matthew to worship the King of the Jews? Gentiles. Wise men from the East. Isn't God's grace wonderful? It doesn't matter what race you're from. It doesn't matter what religion you're from. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. If you'll bow before the Savior, you'll become one of His. What a wonderful God we have. What a wonderful Savior we have. They knew the right question to ask. Where is He that is born King of the Jews? Well, it's interesting. We learned from this that they knew that He would be Jewish. Isn't that right? How would they know that He was going to be Jewish? Because they're looking for the Jewish Messiah. And they had understood through Daniel the prophet that the Messiah would rule over the nation of Israel. How did they know that? How did they know that? Go back to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Look at what it says in verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Anoint the most holy. That's the Messiah. Most holy, that's Messiah. That's the Christ. And it's on thy people and thy holy city. So they knew that he would be Jewish. They were looking for the Jewish Messiah. The other thing that they knew was, look at, let's go back to Matthew, Matthew chapter two, verse two, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. They had seen his star. See, these wise men were astronomers. That was that was a part of what they would study in the east. They would study the stars and they saw this star. And this star was out of place. Now, what's wonderful is trying to watch all of these guys explain how this could happen. Now, we understand that this story can't be true because stars are in their own rotation. It could have been the planet Jupiter, which at a particular time can be seen. Oh, really, Jupiter came and stood over the house where Jesus Christ was. What I always love is whenever these scientists try to explain a miracle, it becomes a greater miracle. <laughs> right? Yeah, I love it when, uh, I heard this when I was a little kid, this scholar had said that when the children of Israel crossed over the Red Sea, it was actually the Reed Sea, and they went to a place where it was in the dry season, and they could walk over and it was just, the water was just ankle deep at that time. And this, this old saint was listening to this guy say it, and she started saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And the guy said, "Well, Why are you saying that? I, was, I just love to worship a God that can drown a whole army in ankle deep water. You see, whenever they try and explain something, it becomes an even greater miracle than what the Bible says. But see, they knew that he had a star. They knew that this Jewish Messiah would have a star associated with him. How did they know that? Because Daniel had taught them what the Bible said about the Messiah. Go to Numbers chapter 24. Numbers 24, verse 17. Speaking of the Messiah, look what the Bible says. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. So this king, and that's the scepter, They understood that this Jewish Messiah would be a king and there would be a star associated with him. You know what's interesting? I love this. These wise men took the Old Testament literally. They studied the words and they believed the words. They understood that the Messiah would be Jewish. They knew that he would be a king of the Jews. And they knew that there would be a star. That wasn't Jupiter. It was His star. Why is it that people question that the God who created the stars could have one specifically assigned to the Messiah? Do you know that for Christmas you can name a star after a loved one? How dumb is that? What you're going to do, what they're going to do at the star registry is they're going to charge you 40 bucks or something and send you a certificate that says the star, the third one from the left. When you look up in the sky, that's Matt Clayton. (laughs) You got to take your brain out and play with it to think that's a smart thing to do. Right? Jesus Christ had a star. It was his star. I love that line. Would you go there with me? Go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 16. Some of you know where I'm going. Genesis 1, verse 16. One of the great evidences of the omnipotence, the power of our God. Look at what the Bible says. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, that's the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, that's the moon. He made the stars also. How many stars are there? Billions, trillions, gazillions, quadrillions, a lot. Right? He made those two. That's our God. And He made one. That was his star. That's cool. And these wise men, they knew that this king would be a Jew and that he would have a star. But how did they know when to look for it? How did they know when to look for the star? Because uh, you you can see comets all the time. and, And these men would have known the stars. And they would have known when things were different and the alignment of the different planets. How would they know that this was his star? Because Daniel told him, Go back to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Let's read verse 24 again. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most Holy. Verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. So the prince, the Messiah, is going to come. And it's going to be in 69 weeks. And in the context, he has already taught them that these are weeks of years. So, from 445 B.C., that was Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 1. That was the decree to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. He told them when this was going to be. From 445 B.C., until the coming of Messiah the Prince is going to be 483 years. So, the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ happened exactly 483 years after the decree to rebuild the walls given in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 1. Just exactly as Daniel had prophesied in Daniel chapter 9. And these wise men, they were wise. They believed the prophet. They believed the word of God. And you say, well, Pastor Jim, that would have told them when the Messiah was going to come into Jerusalem. How would they then know when he was born? Well, because the Bible told them that. Look at Numbers chapter 4. Numbers chapter 4, verse 43. Let's start reading in verse 42. This is establishing the, the priesthood. And those that were numbered of the families of the sons of Merari, throughout their families by the house of their fathers, from thirty years old and upward, even unto fifty years old, everyone that entereth into the service for the work in the tabernacle of the congregation. So they understood from the Word of God that if a person was going to be a priest and enter the service of the tabernacle, they had to be thirty years old. They knew that go to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. The Bible tells us something about the Messiah in 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 35. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. The Messiah would be a priest who would walk before him forever. Do you know what we have before the Father right now? a high priest. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may find grace to help, mercy and grace to help in time of need. Isn't that wonderful? That's our high priest. That's the Messiah. These these wise men understood that this Messiah would be a priest, and he would have to be 30 years old. So if they understood that from 445 B.C., we would have 483 years until the Messiah would have his triumphal entry. He couldn't begin that ministry until he was 30 years old. So about 30 years before that, they could start looking for the star. And they did. And they found the star. What did the wise men know? They knew more than the modern scholars. They knew that the Messiah would be Jewish. They knew that he would be a king, and they knew that he had a star. What else did they know? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 2. They knew when he would be born. You see, these wise men knew something that many scholars, even evangelical scholars, don't know today. They knew that the Bible was history. But not only was it history, it was also prophecy. See, we have a whole group of Christianity today that is trying to tell us that all of the prophecy in the Bible is written for the past. That all of the prophecy has been fulfilled. It's all in the past. Men like R.C. Sproul or Hank Hanegraaff, these men are, are, are telling us that, look, we're going to bring in the kingdom now. We've replaced Israel. The church has replaced Israel. We're going to bring in the kingdom. Jesus Christ returned in AD 70 when, G- when, when Jerusalem was destroyed by Titus. The wise men wouldn't have bought that. They knew that all of that that was spoken about the first coming of the Messiah was prophecy. And all that Christ did not fulfill in his first coming, it's all going to happen At his second coming. You see, they understood that that the God of the Bible was a God of history and also a God of prophecy. Why? Because Daniel had taught them. Go back to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46. Someone might say, Pastor, how do you know Daniel taught him? Well, I know that Daniel communicated what he had communicated in the book of Daniel. We know that. Is that right? And these guys knew information that could have only come from an understanding of the Old Testament. So either Daniel taught it to them, or he laid a foundation of study that they continued to discern when the Messiah would come. Look at Isaiah chapter 46. They knew this. They understood this. Verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like Me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all My pleasure. They knew the Messiah was coming. They knew that God had prophesied it, and if God had prophesied it through His prophet Daniel, if God had prophesied it through the prophet Isaiah, if God had prophesied the characteristics in the book of Numbers by the prophet Moses, if God had said it, It's going to happen. You see, they believed God. What did the wise men know? They knew more than modern scholars. They knew that He would be Jewish. They knew that He would be a king. They knew that He would have a star. They knew when He would be born. They knew the Bible was not limited to history, but was genuine prophecy. You know why? Because the Messiah, the Messiah is the object of all the prophecy. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19. Verse 10. Revelation 19, verse 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Who did they come to worship? The Messiah. The Messiah. Jesus Christ. The Messiah. Worship Him. When we worship God, we understand who Jesus Christ is. And we worship His Son. And we worship Him, we understand. That is the spirit of prophecy. Praise the Lord. What did the Messiahs know? What did the wise men know? Well, we know that they knew more than the modern scholars. We know that they knew that Jesus would be. That the Messiah would be Jewish, that He would be a king, that He would have a star, and they knew when He would come. They knew all these things. But let's go back to Matthew chapter 2. And I'll show you the most important thing they knew. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. Saying, where is He that is born King of the Jews? For we have seen His star in the east, and are come To worship his star, his mother, who had they come to worship? Him. You see, they were wise men. They knew who to worship, and that was the Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Bible always gives us the proper order. It's interesting, when you listen to Christmas music, so much has been influenced by by false religious teaching. But I want you to notice something. Look at verses 8 and 9. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. Boy, do you think Herod remembers that now? look what it says in verse 9. And when they had departed... I'm sorry. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And it's so wonderful. The star was there over the holy family. What's the Bible say? Where the young child was. Now, we learn a couple of things right here. Number one, they didn't come to Bethlehem. They knew where to go in Bethlehem. They knew that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. But that's not where Jesus was. He was in a house. He wasn't in the manger anymore. He wasn't in the cave. He wasn't in where the animals were. He was now in a house. And now he's no longer an infant. He's a young child. So this could have been several years after the birth of Christ. So they came to him. That's why when Herod decided to kill all the children, he wanted to kill them all two years old and younger because of the age of the Messiah. But notice what the Bible says. They came to worship him in verse 2. Verse 9, they came to, to worship the young child. Look at verse 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Look at the order there. Who's first? The young child with Mary, his mother and fell down and worshipped them. What does the Bible say? And fell down and worshipped Him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto Him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So they worshipped Jesus Christ. They knew who to worship. Do you know who to worship? Are you worshipping the Messiah? Are you worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world? Is that who you're worshipping? Are you trying to come to Christ through someone else? You can't do it. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. They knew who to worship. The other thing that I want you to notice is that the Bible always gives us the proper order. You have the young child. In verse 11, you have the young child and the mother. Look at verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother. You see the order? Look at verse um, 21. Verse 21. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. You see, the Bible makes it very clear. The Bible makes it very clear where the emphasis is. The emphasis is not on Mary. Now, aren't you glad that there was a godly young lady who had given herself to the Lord? Aren't you thankful for that? We don't want to disparage the character of Mary. She was a godly young lady who needed a Savior. And she understood that because in her own prayer in the book of Luke, she said, God, my Savior. If she had been immaculately conceived, she wouldn't need a Savior. But she needed a Savior. So we don't want to diminish the character of Mary. She was a godly young lady who had kept herself pure and had given herself to the Lord. And she was blessed above all the women of the earth because she was allowed to carry the Messiah. But there's only one that we worship And that is the one who created all things by the word of his power, who came in flesh. That is the one that we worship, and that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. They knew who to worship. They knew who to worship. They also knew what gifts to bring. Look what the Bible says. Verse 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we understand that gold was brought for his deity because he's God. And they understood that he was God. Sometimes people question whether or not these, these wise men knew who he was. Well, God directed them. God guided them. And they brought the exact gifts that you would give to the Messiah. They knew who he was. I have no, there's no doubt in my mind. These were the first Gentile converts to the Messiah. They brought him gold for his deity. They brought him frankincense for his priesthood. Frankincense is what is offered when the priest offers sacrifices to the Lord. Remember, they understood he was a priest because they knew that the Jewish Messiah would be 30 years old. That's how they knew when to come. They knew that he was a priest. They brought frankincense for his priesthood. And they brought myrrh for his death. You see, these wise men understood that the Messiah was going to have to die on the cross. Why? Why? Because Daniel told him. Daniel told them. Look what the Bible says. Go back to Daniel chapter 9. Gold for his deity, frankincense for his priesthood, and myrrh for his death. Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. And after three score and two weeks, shall Messiah, Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. That's killed. But not for himself. Because he didn't have any sin, did he? But not for himself. And the people of the prince, that's, that prince is the Antichrist, and the people of the prince were, were the Romans. And the people of the prince that shall come and destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood... And the end of the war, desolations are determined. You see, this prophecy is that Israel is going to be destroyed. Rome is going to destroy Israel. The Messiah is going to be killed. And so they brought him gold for his deity, frankincense for his priesthood, and myrrh for his death. We're not going to take the time to go there, but in Isaiah chapter 60, when they're bringing the Messiah, when they're bringing the Messiah gifts in the kingdom, they bring him gold for his deity. They bring him frankincense for his priesthood because he's an eternal prince. The Bible's already told us that in First Samuel chapter two and verse thirty-five that he would be a prince or that he would be a, a priest forever before the anointed one. That's what the Bible says, right? So he'll always be a priest. So in the millennium, they bring him gold for his godhood, frankincense for his priesthood, but there's no myrrh because our Savior only died once, our Messiah only died once, our Savior. Only died once. He was buried for three days and he rose from the dead. So, you have wise men. Wise men. It's interesting. Go back to Matthew chapter 2 and let's finish this up. I want you to notice the difference between a wise man and a fool. What did the wise men know? Well, they knew more than modern skeptics and modern scholars. They knew that the Messiah would be Jewish, and they knew that He would be a king. They knew that He would have a star. They knew when He would be born, and they knew that, this, that the Word of God was, a, was, was history as well as prophecy. They knew all of those things, and they knew who to worship, the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ. But they also knew what it meant to be wise. It was wise to receive the Word of God and act on it. That's wisdom, isn't that right? They understood it was wise to bring gifts to the king. Have you given your gifts to the king? Have you given your life to the Savior? That's wisdom. But look at what the fool does. Let's start reading in verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And Herod said, Wait a minute, I am king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And Herod the king had heard these things. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. So he gathers these scholars of the Old Testament. Where is the Messiah going to be born? Well, they knew. And look at what they say. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. Okay, keep your place here. Go to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Let's look at the verse they're quoting. And let's look at how they quote it to Herod. The difference between a wise man and a fool. And what you do if you want to find Micah, start at Malachi and start thumbing backwards. Look at Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. I want you to find it. I want you to notice this. And we're going to compare. Keep Matthew chapter 2 in your hand and keep Micah chapter 5 in your hand. And I want us to compare what the prophet actually said to what the scribes said. He said. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But thou Bethlehem Ephratah though thou be little among the thousands of Judah yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old from of old from everlasting do you see that keep your place look at what they told Herod because they were afraid of him never trust a religious leader that's afraid of his audience Amen? Oh, I, I, I can't say that Jesus is real and someone else isn't. Because people will be mad. Look, look at what they said. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. That's just the opposite. Why would they say that? Because Herod was the ruler of Judah. Yes, he's in your little kingdom. They weren't going to say that to him. Why? Because the kings cried. Because they were fools and so was their king. And then look at what it says. For out of thee shall come a governor. No, a ruler. Not a governor. A ruler. The king of kings and lord of lords. And look at what else they left out whose goings forth have been from everlasting. This is the preexistent one. This is the one who has existed ever since God has. That's the one that's going to be the ruler. Notice what the scribes conveniently left out. You see, and that's where we are today. Why do people not believe in the Messiah? Why do people not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because they're lied to by cowardly religious leaders. You see, a person proclaiming the word of God can never... We can never fear his hearers. We must fear God. Amen. We fear the one who wrote the book. Amen. And we tell the world what He has said. There's another fool represented here, not only these, these scribes and Pharisees, Matthew chapter two verse seven, Matthew two verse seven. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. You see, here's what a fool does. Here's what a fool does. Hey, I'll worship God the way that I choose to. If I want to kill him, that's the way that I'll worship him. I'm going to do what I want to do. Listen, you stupid priest. Listen, you stupid preacher. Listen, you stupid prophet. I know what's right. I'm in charge here. That's the world. That's the world. If I want to say Xmas, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, I am going to say, Lord Jesus. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the Son of God, God in the flesh, and I worship you. And I don't care who it angers. Because one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. What do the wise men know? What do the wise men know? They knew more than the modern scholars. They believed the Word of God. They knew that the Messiah would be Jewish. They knew that He would be a king. They knew that He would have a star. They knew when He was going to come. They knew that the Word of God was prophecy as well as history. And they also knew who to worship. What did Herod know? Herod knew that he wanted to be in charge. He knew that the religious leaders that were around him would tell him what he wanted to hear. What ended up happening? Herod went to hell, those Pharisees went to hell, those scribes went to hell, those wise men, they're in heaven right now. I hope that you're wise. I hope that you're wise. I hope that you'll believe the word of God. I hope that you'll believe it as it's written in its context. I hope that you'll believe and trust every word. And I hope you'll believe the one of whom the scriptures teach, and that's Jesus Christ. Would the wise men know? They knew who the king was. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for what we've learned at Christmas.